What does conflict look like from within a business? Can putting ethics front and center create peace? Welcome to Interfaith Encounters. Today I'm speaking with Scott Shea, co-founder of Signature Bank and author of In Good Faith, Questioning Religion and Atheism. Mr. Shea, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Robert, thank you for having me. It's okay. a pleasure to be with you. Great. So the first question I'd like to ask you is, what do you see as the significant causes or areas of religious conflict in our world today? Well, that's, that's in a way the key question facing humanity. And we see that every day in headlines and in conflicts all over the world. So I would say this, and I'm going to have it's. This will be a, a, a multi-paragraph answer. Go ahead. I can't give it to you in, uh, in in a sentence or two. But I would say fundamentally, monotheism is about believing that we are all created in the image of God, one way or another. That uh, in Hebrew it's B'tselem Elokim, in the that we're all created in in the image and the shadow of God. That we're all we all share some common humanity. And the great revolution of the Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, was that it was written in a time of complete idolatry. Yeah. So here's the thing: idolatry, we moderns tend to think is some quaint bowing down to idols or or wiccan chants or the like but in reality what idolatry is is a set of lies about power it's about ascribing super authority to finite beings ideologies natural processes in processes in the ancient world and even today um, and these lies about power are enforced with God King Pharaohs. So we may have thought we licked the God King Pharaoh and the Passover story 3,300 years ago, but in reality, Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, the Assad family, the Kim family, and I could sadly go on and on, yeah. are, are God King, were God King Pharaohs. So you had, how did Stalin st uh, kill all the Kulaks, starve a quarter of the Ukraine, send tens of millions to the, to the Gulag, and nobody complained because his word was truth and no one questioned the God King. That's how Mao was able to 75 million Chinese um, individuals, human beings who perished in the great, in the great March and the, and the cultural revolution. No one questioned Mao. He was a God King. So you have this sense of idolatry and I'm building this as a base for, yeah. for getting to religion for a second. And what it is, is idolatry is the central bugaboo of the Bible. So the first two commandments, you know, we have the, the big 10 commandments, the top 10. And the way Jews number them, the third commandment, and Catholics number it the same way in some Protestant sects. The third one is, the first one is, um, there's one God, everybody's essentially brothers and sisters. The second one is is don't make images don't create your own gods mm -hmm. the third because it's always dangerous when you create our own gods the third is don't take god's name in vain don't take it don't take god's name Bashav in hebrew 
some people think, oh, that's for swearing. That's 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 a sort of a, a picky uni thing. But in reality, what that commandment was all about and is all about is weaponizing monotheism. If I stand up and I say, um, I've got a direct hotline to God, a direct uh, link, a direct, I've got God's uh, uh, direct line and God is speaking through me, then that's when idolatry seeps into monotheism and it's really powerfully weaponized. So Ayatollah Khomeini, when he took power, he said, for example, that um, the Baha'i people, because they came after, uh, it, it was religion that arose after Islam, had no right to religion or to their lives. And it triggered a mini, a mini Holocaust, a mini genocide. Um, thankfully, many escaped, but um, people believed it. People did it. Um, his word was he was speaking on behalf of God as the supreme leader, uh, as he claimed. And whenever anybody does that, it's problematic. Even the Roman Catholic popes who have had this doctrine of infallibility recognized the dangers of it and there's and only the the infallibility uh, precept has only been invoked once and that was over a i don't want to call it obscure but over a theological issue not let's go kill those people but if you do say let's go kill those people then and you say i've got it because god is telling me to do that and you believe that i'm the god king fair i'm the avatar of God and other people aren't brothers and sisters. That's the difference about idolatry is we just have our own God King and we want to, we can feel free to kill the disciples of the other God King. What you've really seemed to lay down is, and I, I appreciate this very much, is that monotheism begins with the idea of all people are equal under God because they're created by the same God. Yes. Idolatry creates really divisions of people, they each have their own gods in a sense. Um, and then you've moved to the idea of weaponizing monotheism, of letting the idolatrous conception come into monotheism through this god-king-priest from idolatry, but now becomes um, related to monotheism, I suppose. Yeah, well, it's infected. Yeah. It subverts monotheism. It subverts monotheism. Um, and you've, you, it's interesting that some of the examples you've given, Stalin and Mao would be people who weren't theists at all, really. Um, and yet they- Well, they had an ideological, they had the, the, the right. theist was the communism in their, in their case. Yeah. So they, mean, they and they were the ideology. god King Pharaoh. Yeah. So they, they raise an ideology to be a god and yeah. they're the King Pharaoh of it. Is that right? Yeah. And there's a way you can tell quickly whether or not- that ideology is being raised to be a God is being raised to be a religion. And that is, does it care about the individual? Yeah. So that to me, the, 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 not to me, but Hillel, the ancient sage said, the entire scriptures is about one thing. Don't do what is hateful to you, to someone else. The rest is commentary. Go learn it. Yeah. If I'm sure Stalin didn't want to send himself to the gulag, I'm sure Stalin didn't want people, people to be killed, himself to be killed by someone just putting his name on a list or to be starved just because someone in a, in a distant world said, 
that's okay. Just starve those people. Mm-hmm. And it's about treating societies as groups, as identity groups, uh, ideological groups, as opposed to the imperative of monotheistic religions in general is treat the other person as a human being because they have a spark of godliness in them. And I have no right to deprive that person because he or she, like me, has that spark of godliness. So... So in, I hear you saying then that this is the this is the root of the conflict. We have, instead of recognizing humans as humans, we we raise we subvert monotheism with this god king priest, which allows us then to go back to creating groups or individual humans as an other that can be attacked and even slaughtered by the millions, as you have pointed out. Correct. Yeah. And and I I want to just say this because I think this gets under. I think this also gets undernoted in that sometimes there's idolatry, even in our most personal and intimate encounters that we let these lies about power come to be. So how did Charlie Rose, and Harvey Weinstein and Matt Lauer, and I, the list unfortunately goes on and on and on as well. Yeah. How did they, were they able to abuse many women and some men too? Mm-hmm. Because Charlie Rose at CBS was unquestioned and unquestionable. His word was truth. If Harvey Weinstein, for example, wanted to make or break someone's career, he had super authority. He didn't have superpowers. Nobody thought he (laughs) could make magic, but he had super authority that whether you were good or bad, you were going to get that role or not get that role based on his whim, which is exactly what idolatry is all about. And it's only once enough people come and topple that idolatry because they as individuals weren't treated in a way they recognize their divinity, their humanity, however you want to put it. Um, and and that, so that essence, I think, of treating people as people is the way to combat idolatry. Well, and, and maybe that gets us to the second question I wanted to ask is, we've, we've looked now at the, the, the origins of, of conflict here with this God-King-Priest um, idea that subverts even monotheism, absolutely in an idolatrous situation, creates situations in which conflict is inflicted on people because they're lesser people in some sense. Can you tell me briefly, what do you think are some of the ways forward? Uh, You've mentioned something briefly, which is enough people rise up and question this person. But can can you say something about the way forward to go back to where we need to be, where we don't have these religious conflicts? So I'll I'll give you an example of, I think, how we need to incorporate the golden rule. This don't do what is hateful and tears to to, to what would be hateful to you to someone else. So Signature Bank, a number of years ago, I was reading our um, standards of conduct. And you may have one at the university as well. It's this big, thick said I'm, I'm i'm only audio so you can see that i for those yeah. of you who can't watch me i'm i'm taking my index finger and thumb and and creating quite a distance between them it's a big thick document now it's online that you're supposed to read and yeah. sign and it's everything in it is correct you know you have to in terms of policies and procedures but after reading it one time and before it went out uh, the draft i i i I actually wrote the, the, the beginning myself, right? the, yeah. the first paragraph, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's a pretty close to what it says. This is a very long document, mm-hmm. but 
if you keep in mind at all times that you should not treat a colleague, counterparty, client, or anyone you come into contact with the bank in the way that you wouldn't want to be treated yourself, mm-hmm. you'll, be doing, you'll be doing right and you'll be okay. The rest of this document you have to read mm-hmm. and sign at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the point is, is that it, it, you know, we have to say no to people on loans. I mean, we have to, we, the banking, a, making a, a, you know, running a bank is not always saying yes. Yeah. However, treat the person in the way that you'd want to be treated. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two, and I think this is very critical and it to some degree does get in touch upon what I talk about in my new book, Conspiracy You, yeah. which is we've sadly entered an age where um, theory negates facts, where I have a theory about how this other group thinks, works, is motivated. And so there is no fact that can convince me otherwise. So you have professors at prestigious fancy universities who actually believe that the Holocaust was a myth made up by Jews and that they were so good at it, they're so evil mm-hmm. that they placed all these documents, convinced Germans to falsely confess to killing people, to murdering people. And any fact that you bring on the other side, uh, it just means that they have to expand the conspiracy theory somehow. The theory becomes non-falsifiable. Right. And sadly, that's happening. What I talk about in my book uh, is that it's happening on the far left and on the far right, yep. both. On the far left, you also have theories that are non-falsifiable. And what we need to do, and if I can just say one more word yeah. here, is we need <laughs> to get back to evidence. Yes. We need to get back to really what is a fact. We're not entitled to our own facts, or we can't just set aside facts because that's what our God King Pharaoh says for us to do. And, yeah. and we're doing that more and more and, and, and just reading the newspaper any day, you can see that. I, don't, I used to care about what the other person thought for, for in most places in politics when I read, but now it seems like people don't care. They don't care what the other happens to the other side. They're willing to roll, to roll over the other side, and I do care. You've worked out a situation now where everything you say has to be true and no evidence can be brought to oppose it how can we have a discussion any further um, well the truth of the matter is you can't because and you, you can't. can be delegitimized um right. as um you can be delegitimized for anything you think and and everything you think and do is actually worthless under that scenario yeah and that's the danger that's the case but sadly and i probably don't need to tell you this this mm-hmm. is really a crisis in academia that facts can be negated with theory. with theory. And that's the exact opposite of what the university and academia was established um, yeah. to, 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 to do for the world. With this, I want to return to the idea of um, how we move to resolve some of these conflicts. And part of what you've talked about is to agree that we're, on one hand, going to treat each other as human beings and uh, get over this God, King, Pharaoh, 
way of justifying, in a sense, attacks on others. The second one is to move to a fact-based discussion where, where we can, we're talking about what we can all see together. And, yes. we, and we can resolve our conflicts on that basis, uh, which I think is very important in the university in particular, but in our society at large. Um, I 100% agree in that um, we've, we really have gone and left being a fact-based entity. We, don't, we no longer examine uh, legislation together. I mean, I've read in, in, with the infrastructure bill, with the Georgia voting bill, uh, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, I've sat down and read Democratic and Republican takes on those bills and you would think you were talking about different totally different bills yeah and uh, in each case and you may disagree about mm -hmm. every any every single every single item but we have to share facts because if we don't share facts we're not really in the realm of humanity let me give you since you're a yeah. theologian sure. what i think is something um that i've has always struck me in the story of creation, where, and the famous story of the eating of the forbidden fruit, right. the snake character, who's clearly a very wily character, mm -hmm. approaches the woman. And although she's not necessarily not yet named, she doesn't have the name Eve, she's woman. Yeah. This represents all of us. Mm -hmm. And she, he says, well, we were told uh, not to eat this fruit to make a long, to make a little more complicated story shorter. And the uh, snake character convinces her to set aside those facts of what yeah. God, what God said, and just to focus on his theory, which is if you can taste, touch the fruit, then you can eat the fruit. Yeah. And she allows herself to be seduced, if you will, into mm -hmm. biting into a potentially poisonous fruit. Not because of the facts. The facts are clear. Don't eat this particular fruit. Right. But the snake character is a theory. Mm -hmm. And that theory ends up negating fact. Yeah. And I think this is our problem, essentially, since creation. We have yeah. to deal with the facts. This has been, this has been great and I think extremely helpful. I, let me ask if you have a, some closing comments you'd like to make about both the, uh, the, the, the realm of conflict and uh, the realm of resolution, and perhaps some, some ways that you see conflicts being resolved in your real world. Yeah, I would say, look, and I'll give you a banking example. You know, everybody has heard of this, the Paycheck Protection Program at this point, that was, right. was the PPP program. Mm -hmm. And when it started, um, it, was a, it, was a major, it was major chaos. Mm -hmm. But we had this one feeling, we saw other banks saying, okay, we're just going to have our private banking clients or our borrowing clients or this set of clients or that set of clients mm -hmm. um, uh, get preferred access because there's only so many resources that we can apply to this. Mm -hmm. So we said something a little different and it actually emanated from our standards of conduct yeah. and from the, our, which is we said, we're going to try to get every compliant application approved we had a saying that only a banker could love no compliant application left behind yeah <laughs> and so we we moved 20 percent of the mm -hmm. my colleagues in the bank to doing other jobs yeah to get this through and in the end i'm proud to say we got every compliant application approved but that was because we said look if we're the we got 
applications, you know, for 20,000, 40,000, what not, I'm not talking about the people who got $5 million yeah. and we treated them all like they all had to get done. Yeah. And because we had put ourselves in the position, what if that were a, what if that were us? I mean, I talked to people who were three generations in a store and that, right. that, or that, that, that money was lifeblood. And yeah. so you have to put this into the rubber meets the road typically when it mm -hmm. comes to money has been my experience. Mm -hmm. And so how do you put this into, how do you put this into, into action with golden row when it comes to money, when it doesn't always work out the way you want. And the second thing I would say is fact is we need to get back to facts. Yeah. We can't read the, the two different newspapers reporting on the same thing and not get the same facts. And that's more or less, we're getting narratives and narratives are sort of a, a weak form of theory and we need to get back to it. That's why I, I, I spent 20 months, uh, the last 20 months. So in good faith took me five years. I wrote it over time. Conspiracy you, I wrote over the last 20 months with all my discretionary free time, mm -hmm. essentially because I think it's so urgent because I think if we keep going to this theory-based world, narrative-based world versus fact world, I think we're in serious trouble, serious trouble as society, serious trouble as a nation. And so I think reverting that uh, is, is absolutely critical. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to reiterate this one uh, taxonomy that you've given us, facts, theory, and narrative as a kind of a weak form of theory. I think that's something to really give some thought to. I appreciate, Mr. Shea, you're coming onto the podcast and you're participating in this way. I think this is some great insights that you've offered us about both conflict and how to resolve it. And I look forward, perhaps when um, Conspiracy yeah. You, when Conspiracy yeah. You comes out, um, to interviewing you again. It'd be a pleasure. This has been Interfaith Encounters. I'm Dr. Robert Hunt of the Perkins School of Theology, and I've been interviewing Scott Shea, co-founder of Signature Bank and author of In Good Faith, Questioning Religion and Atheism. Be sure and check out next week's episode as well, a conversation with Dr. Jill DeTemple, who will share her groundbreaking work on creating an environment of respect and mutual understanding when university students study religion.